Leafs Converts, Hockey World. How are you? This is the Leafs Convo Podcast. We have a new episode in store for you. Can anything stop those Maple Leafs? A 4-2 winner over the Blue Jackets at Scotiabank Arena. Four straight wins now, sitting atop the Eastern Conference with a league-best goal differential plus 21. Tavares and Marner doing their thing yet again. Zach Hyman picking up a pair of grapes. The Leafs looking real good. And this episode of the Leafs Convo sounded real good with the one and only Mike Ajello weighing in. We'll get into William Melander plus a couple of your questions via Twitter. Thank you so much to David Nastico at David Nastico 200. He's doing a great job creating gifts for us. If you're not following the Leafs Convo on Twitter, do it right now. In the meantime, Mike's ready to go. I'm ready to go. I know you are too. So what do you say? Let's pod. The Leafs Convo starts right now. And I am his podcast sidekick, the one and only Michael Piagello joins us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good afternoon, Norman. How are you? Not too bad. The Maple Leafs keep on winning. I tucked in when they were down 2-1. Tyler Ennis scoring that beautiful goal off the end boards all alone, beating Sergei Bobrovsky underneath the pads. And I thought, you know what? The Leafs are going to make a game of it. Woke up, checked the score, 4-2 buds. First place in the Eastern Conference, just one point behind the National Predators for first overall. These Maple Brothers are rocking and rolling, my friend. Yeah, they are. Um, and that was a game where even before the game, Mike Babcock and uh, you know was saying, you know, the, the, it's the old tale of you had come off of a long road trip and you come home and the first game is always a dog. And in the first period, I mean, he basically said they were, it was like they were skating in oatmeal. It was really, it was really bad. They're, you know, they, they were down two nothing. I think it was 14 to six shots on goal. Um, it, it didn't seem to be much life other than Ennis hitting the, uh, the post in the first period. And then slowly, ever so slowly, they got back into it. And that Ennis goal that you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, he, I think he's played pretty well in the fourth line. Um, and a, a, has been a good addition to the team. But then Marner sets up Tavares, and then it's a 2-2 game going into the third, and Zach Hyman with a nice tip for the game winner. So it was a well, uh, a well-fought effort for a team that wasn't at its best for, I'd say, the first half of the game. And Freddie Anderson has been Freddie Anderson. He just was pretty damn good uh, yesterday. Leafs Converse will get to some of your comments, questions, and concerns as this podcast progresses. Mitch Marner. More ridiculous stuff setting up that John Tavares goal. And you know what I love is the reaction from the guys Marner sets up. Tavares last night, Morgan mm-hmm. Riley and Anaheim, after they score the goal, they're not even excited about scoring to win it or scoring to tie it. They're just mm-hmm. looking at number 16 and saying, how the heck did you do that? Yeah, and Tavares said after the game that uh, basically he just goes to the net and either – um, Mitch scores or he figures there's a way that he's going to get him the puck and he's got to be in position to react to what Marner does. And sometimes he does the incredible, the unbelievable. And that was the, the case on the tying goal where, you know, it was a long bomb pass from Kapanen and he, he corrals it. He cuts into the zone. He cuts across the middle beats the, the the Blue Jackets defenseman. And then he gets a, a, a weak backhand shot, but Bobrovsky is not able to, to contain it. And instead of like trying another shot, he tips it deftly to Tavares, who, who beats Bobrovsky. It was an incredible play. But the incredible seems to be 
sort of expected now because that's what that's what Marner has been doing the last few weeks. Marner's second in the NHL in assists, Mike, 22. He's got 28 points leading the Maple Leafs. Six grapes, 22 apples. This guy loves to set players up. If he wanted to solely focus on scoring, I'm sure he could score 30 to 35. He's brought back the art of the pass. He's always been one of these players who revels in the opportunity to set up a, a, a player and, and make his line mate look better. Yeah, and I can't remember who said it, but someone said the, the, the way of potentially defending Marner is to make him shoot. And I know that last year, you know, there was a lot of criticism of him in the first half of the season because I think he only had three or four goals and that he was, you know, more of a pass first guy. But then in the second half, he started scoring more goals. And I think if, if teams try to adjust to him by saying, okay, we're going to shut off your avenues and you're going to have to shoot the puck. I think he can score goals and I think he would score goals, but I think he does revel in, setting up plays and when you got a trigger man like Tavares who now leads the team with 13 goals I mean it's it's a it's a wicked combo and Zach Hyman last night gets the empty netter and the game winner uh in the third period so I mean and hey I don't think he's ever going to be a 30 goal scorer but Zach Hyman's an important part of this team and and kicked in a couple goals in in a key victory for the Leafs is it okay for someone like Zach Hyman to not be right up at the top in terms of points along with his line mates Mike yeah, I mean, as long as he serves a role, and I think that's what he does. And that, you know, first of all, he's extremely trusted by Mike Babcock. He's a guy who goes into the corners, wins the battles, gets the puck, and gets it to the talent. Now he ha- he does have talent. He's not he's not a schlub. He's a he's a good player, but he's not you know he is not the equal in terms of an o- of offensive ability to guys like Matthews and Nylander who he played with last year or Tavares and Marner. But he makes those players better because he goes and does the work and gets the puck for them. So I think he's extremely valuable, and he's one of those guys that I, I think his value is not reflected in the point totals. It's reflected in what other people say about him, namely Tavares. Marner and his head coach, Mike Babcock. Another win for the Maple Leafs. First place in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they're going to be in a dogfight with the Lightning all season long, pending or barring a massive slump from one of these two teams. I mean, Boston will be there too, and who knows, another team may um, take a run at these top guns. Well, now, and- now, Sorry, now it's on to Carolina. Um, you, you can finish your thought there, Mike. Sure. Yeah. And, and just to the point that you were making about, about Tampa, I mean, the the next month is going to be very key for the aspirations of the Leafs finishing in first in the Atlantic, because the news came down today that Patrice Bergeron is going to be out at least four weeks with an upper body injury. There's a question about Zdeno Chara um, after he his knee buckled, I think it was in Colorado last week. So we don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, and Andre Vasilevsky for, uh, Tampa Bay is going to be out at least four weeks, um, with a broken foot that he ha- that happened in practice They're without, uh, Andre Palat. So the, so there's, there are losses there and the Leafs are probably going to get Matthews back in the next, I would say less than two weeks. So this is an opportunity for the Leafs to sort of make hay in the standings and give themselves a little bit of cushion in, between them and, and Tampa and Boston in the division. Although those hard-charging Sabres are only a few points yeah. behind them. Jack Eichel or Mitch Marner. We, we like to hit one player versus the next. Gary McAllister on Twitter, at McAllister 15 wants to know, with Austin Matthews coming back soon, will the GOAT 
get sent down or is there a trade coming perhaps? When they sent down Trevor Moore on the weekend, they didn't call anybody up. So they're at 22 players. So when Matthews is back, they have the space on the 23 man roster to just take him off the IR and there he is. But it's a question then of you have an extra forward right now. There were 12 forwards and who's the guy to step out. Now I, I say Par Lindholm is a much better center than Freddie Gauthier. And I don't want, I don't think he's a good fit on the wing, which is where he played before Matthew's injury. And I, you know, you're going to have Matthews, you're going to have Tavares, you're going to have Kadri as the top three. If it's a, if it's a question between Par Lindholm, who's leading the team with a 56% faceoff rating and for, and, uh, and Freddie Gauthier, who's under 50. And, you know, I, I know he has had a couple assists in the last week, but, I think Lindholm is the better player and I don't see anybody I would want to take out of the lineup on the left side. So I say Freddie is, is the healthy scratch. Freddie's the good Quebec boy and Par Lindholm is from Sweden. Mike, you know, the choice is simple. <laughs> you know where I'm coming from. What's the latest yeah. on William Nylander, Michael? Right now, everybody doesn't seem to have a grasp on what's going on. And I guess that's a testament to Kyle Dubas and to the representatives of Nylander and Louis Gross and his, his father, Michael, in terms of them keeping it in house. Um, but I just, just by the fact that it's 10 days to go until the signing deadline. And, you know, Darren Drager reported this, this morning that from what he has heard, there has been no movement, no progress. So, you know, that, that means, there may be lines of communication, but it also means that they're not exchanging offers and there's no modifying of each one of their positions. Mm -hmm. So as it gets down to a couple days before, I mean, this is why I think last week the Leafs put it out there that they wanted to finalize what teams would give up in a deal for Nylander because I think more than likely the, the thing that they, they want to do first on their list is sign them. But if they can't get him on a deal where it's it makes sense monetarily or term for him, I think they'll trade him if they have a good offer. And if, if they don't have what they believe is a good offer, then I think they let him sit. They 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 pat the deadline deadline passes on December first, and then maybe they trade him before the deadline at fe February twenty fifth when he can't play in the NHL or they trade him at the draft. But I think that would be a mistake for Neander, and I think it would be a missed opportunity for the Leafs to improve themselves in what they can get for Neander. I think they can get they should be able to get a good return for him unless teams are lowballing him. Michael Neander makes Carl Lindros look like parent of the year. <laughs> well, you know, I I I just I, I don't understand it, but I you know, I, I from his point of view, he believes that he's doing the best for his son to get the most value. Um, there are players out there that, I mean, there's a lot of talk about what some restricted. This is foolish. Yeah, I, I agree. But This is foolish. This team right now, you've picked the wrong time to get into a fight with the wrong team. The, the Leafs are on the precipice of becoming a uber elite team that could win multiple Stanley Cups without your crown prince and you're picking a fight with them a team well, that I, has this many this much talent to pay and uh, your I, your son is on the pecking order as low as he is i don't care what his stats say 
Like, give me well, a break, man. Like, you're, you're picking a fight at the wrong time with the wrong team. I understand holding a team ransom at, at a, at, you know, a team that is vulnerable, a, a team that needs, needs your kids' services, a team with cap room. This is the wrong fight with the wrong team at the wrong time. This is ill-advised. And these guys, uh, I'll be honest with you, the, William Nylander's representation is almost as terrible in the hockey business sense as it is on Twitter from all of these crazy nuts out there who, who think he's the best player on the planet. And, um, you know, what he's doing isn't ill-advised, but is justified. Come on, man. Seriously. I'm not saying that William Nylander is completely 100% self, selfish. Because that would be that would be mis that would be misrepresentative. But what I am saying is, I think he's concerned and rightly so with what you know what his contract is and what he will make, and that's what his representation is there for. But the Leafs have to think of the Leafs, and they have to think of what they're paying him and whether that will affect who they, what they pay Mitch Marner next year and Austin Matthews next year. And that you know they they can't get sentimental. Mm-hmm. About a player who they who they really like, but if he's demanding too much and there's no modification of his demand, then I think it either goes to trade or they let him rot. And Mike, I think more than likely it's going to be the trade, but we'll see. Mike, I don't even think he's selfish. I think he's they're trying to get the money that they believe he's worth. It's just wrong time, wrong team, wrong scenario. The numbers that the pro Nylander people will use have merit when um, basing what they think this guy should make versus what Mitch Marner is probably going to want to make. And then you, you start to break down the advanced statistics that suggest William Nylander makes his team better. You know, his, uh, his exit zone numbers, his entry zone numbers, his five on five numbers are superior to someone like Mitch Marner's last year. The Leafs aren't now saying, well, let's stop the way we judge a player at the end of last season. Oh, by the way, wouldn't you also want to judge what Mitch Marner did in the playoffs versus what William Nylander didn't? But what Mitch Marner is doing now caps and trumps anything that William Nylander has done or perhaps will ever do. We can't compare these two anymore. I know they are comparable players, but one player has set himself apart. The other player is stuck in neutral. You know, his his representation is endangering this guy's ability to not only make the money he wants, but to have a reputation right. of, of being someone that, you know, is looking out for himself, but is also going to put the, uh, the team that he's with and its aspirations of winning on par or perhaps ahead of his own. Two quick things. One, uh, in speaking to someone yesterday, um, talking about the Neil under situation, they said, you know, he better watch out not only because he may lose this year's salary, but if there is a lockout next September, which there's a distinct possibility because each the players and the players association have a way of opting out next summer, he could potentially be without a salary for two years. So that has to be something he has to think about. The, the other thing is, and this is sort of Monday morning quarterbacking, but I said it a few years ago that in in the year that the Leafs finished dead last and won the lottery for Austin Matthews, they called up William Nylander after the trade deadline and played him 22 games, and that burned the first year of his entry level. Now, you can say that Lou Lamorello is in a way responsible for this because Nylander would still be on on his ELC if they hadn't burned that first year, but the the only problem is then you'd have 
all three of Matthews, Marner, and Nealander becoming RFAs at the same time. So that has to be considered a factor here, but I don't know if it would have been positive or negative to have them all three go at, at the same time. William Nylander wants to get paid based on what he's done. Mitch Marner is going to get paid based on what he continues to do. He's second in the league in assists. He is one of the um, most exciting, thrilling, exhilarating players in the league. And there's just no stopping it. And you're just going to have to dig in and enjoy what this guy does and keep your fingers crossed that the exalted number 29 um, gets back in the league in some way, shape, or form. I'd love to see William Nylander back in the league doing his thing with the Maple Leafs. It's not going to happen. Not now. We're at this point, and these two teams are as divided as they are. They've dug in the way they have. You think that it's just all about numbers and that there's nothing more to it than that? And that Kyle Dubas and, and, um, and Team Nylander are on the phone every night talking about the things that they'll all be doing together once this impasse finally comes to pass? I don't think so. I don't, not, not, even, not even close. Um, we've got to get going, Mike. Cam, your buddy on Twitter, at CamWatts25, he's got a, a really good question here. Anderson has been outstanding so far, and he has, Mike. He's just, mm-hmm. He just looked terrific. But he let in two goals, Norm. Kidding. Um, glass half empty, Mike. Do, um, do you think Dubas will pick up a veteran backup as insurance for a playoff push? If so, who might he target? Hashtag ask Mike. Cam, well done. Well, I still think that they're hoping that a guy like McElhaney or Pickard um, gets put on waivers because I, I let's just say this for them to go out and get a veteran backup, Kurt, uh, uh, Garrett Sparks is going to have to drop the ball and coming off probably his best outing against Anaheim that, you know, that, that earned him a little bit of capital in terms of more starts, but you know, he's not out of the woods yet. He's played four games, two were good, two were bad. Um, I think if it's continue, if it continues to be 50%, a 50% uh, situation, that's not going to be amenable to, uh, to Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. He wants to be able to have somebody who's a little more certain. He got good performances on most nights out of McElhaney. Um, but the thing is, if they don't place those guys on waivers, anybody you trade for, unless the guy is in the American Hockey League already, has to be put on the 23-man roster. And unless you want to send down Gautier or expose him or Martin Marinson to waivers, which they don't seem to really want to do, or somebody gets injured, then they're not going to carry three goaltenders. So I think they're going to stick with Sparks as the backup until he proves he can't be the backup, and then... Dubis will probably have to make some move, but right now I think it's, it's status quo. Yeah, his last outing was terrific. I love that white mask too. It looks sick out there. And uh, I think with every win, with every positive experience he has, his confidence is going to grow. And I'm I'm rooting for him. He he wears his heart on his sleeve. You could tell in his post game interviews. He just wants to help the team, and he can. He's capable of it. He's got to be given that chance, and he has been so far. He's an institutional guy. We've talked about this. They. They want to see the fruits of all of their labor and all of his come to, to fruition and in a positive way for both the player and the team. For Freddie Goche, look, I mean, the guy could be a, you know, a, a third-line player on another team. With the Maple Leafs, he's trying his best, and he hasn't necessarily been a, a hindrance or a, a, a real problem for the Maple Leafs. It's just that he hasn't been able to stand out among so many standouts. Uh, next two games on the road, they're 9-1 and one on the road. Carolina has sort of been an up-and-down team. Uh, this year, uh, goal scoring has been a problem for them. That, that's been the reason why they've been so interested in, in the whole Nealander situation. Um, 
the Leafs have a day off in between, so we'll definitely see Freddie Anderson. And then they play the back-to-back Friday, Saturday at Columbus and against Philadelphia, which means if they stick with what normally is the procedure, that means Freddie Anderson plays uh, in Columbus uh, on the first game, and then Garrett Sparks would play against the Flyers and uh, James Van Riemsdyk on Saturday. So it'll be an interest. It's a very busy schedule, and then they follow up with Monday next Monday against the big bad Bruins without Bergeron and without Chara. So they won't be as big and as bad. I should ask you this, Mike, even though the Leafs are being upshot pretty much every night, how do you feel the defense is holding up right now in front of Mr. Freddie Anderson, who, if he continues to play like this, may get some consideration for a Vesna. I think he covers up a lot of ills. I mean, first of all, I think Morgan Riley has a legitimate chance if he continues to score at this pace and play, you know, a, be a plus defender of, of competing for the Norris. There's a lot of normal Norris candidates that are having bad years or playing with bad clubs. Like I wrote about yesterday. So I think that's a, that's a possibility. Um, Hainsey is leading the, leading the national hockey league in plus minus for defensemen. But I think that's more product of playing with Riley than anything. And maybe a statement that plus minus isn't an accurate indicator because I think he's slowed down and I don't think he's been a good, as good a defenseman as he was last year. Uh, I know a lot of critics about the about Nikita Zaitsev. I just think he's stable. He's just he blocks shots. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he makes a few and they stand out because I think people thought he was going to be a better offensive player and more involved. And he, you know, he's his role is basically be to be a shutdown fourth, uh, top four defenseman. And Jake Gardner is Jake Gardner. I, I, I think that uh, I, I think that Travis Dermott has done is done well. And I think he is positioning himself to take over for Jake Gardner when Jake Gardner is a free agent next summer. And I believe that they will not sign Jake Gardner to another contract. Michael, the new normal is the Maple Leafs being an elite team in the NHL and uh, we'll be there covering every single period of it. Have a good one, my friend. Thanks, Norman. That is a wrap for this epi of the Leafs Combo. Thank you so much for listening. We can't do what we do without you. If you have anything to say about what you heard us, just say at us on Twitter, at Norman James TLC, at Mike and Buffalo. Have you subscribed to the YouTube channel yet? If you haven't, go ahead and do so. You keep coming back, hit the subscribe button. It would mean the world to us. And I know it would mean a lot to you. It would be worth your while. We're also looking for sponsorship possibilities and opportunities for the Leafs Convo. If you think that might be you or someone else, Go ahead and drop me a line, theleafscombo at gmail.com. Opportunity for us is a lot of opportunity for you. We reach so many people per week, and those numbers are growing every single week. Mike and I collab for a podcast, and let's not forget the incredible team that we are putting together that is helping take the Leafs Combo project to the very next level. For Mike Augello, I'm Norman James. We'll talk to you soon. The Leafs Combo is outie. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.